Brilliant Misfits, Episode 66, with Elise Carr. We live in a duality on this earth. Everything comes in kind of two forms and we can't deny, you know, the challenges, but neither can we deny the beauty. So it's about understanding that everything is a part of life, that we are a part of this oneness, that we have to embody all parts of that, not deny parts of that, but neither dwell in parts of that. Ideally, we want to stand in the middle. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Aisha Kennedy. Welcome back, everyone, to Brilliant Misfits. And I just want to tell you how grateful I am to all of you for tuning in. And if you enjoy this episode that I have coming up for you today, please go to iTunes and give it a rate and review. And this helps other misfits to find the podcast so that they can also be inspired and encouraged to find their unique path in this life. And so it just really expands our tribe. Now, today my guest is Elise Carr, and she's a pioneer of the Yoni Heart Mind Power, and she mentors, counsels women on their journey of awakening. Now, that's like she does so much, but she'll get into that with you. That's just a brief introduction. The reason I really wanted her on the show is because she's really taken that off road and has found her path and has gathered a bag full of sacred and soulful mastery that she's going to share, uh, hopefully, on online with us a little bit of that today to help you to shine. So welcome to the show, Elise. Thank you, Aisha. It's so lovely to be here and, and be chatting with you on the Brilliant Misfits podcast. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to dive into wherever this path is going to lead us today. Right. And you're in Australia as well, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I'm based in Melbourne at the moment, so we're not too far apart. No, that's good. So I wanted to ask, let's go back a little bit, like how did you get onto this path that you're on? Because you do, you you have many skills, you're a mentor, you're a guide. And I'm just wondering, like, what was the, the path that sort of led you to where you are today? Were you doing something else that was like completely off alignment? Did you feel like you didn't fit into that and then got thrown into something else? How did that happen? Oh, such an amazing question, Aisha. Uh, yes, to all of the above. I definitely was on a very different path. Uh, from the age of seven, I was actually in the world of modeling. And while I was also doing my studies up until you know the end of high school and my first degree, modeling has always been a part of my life. And I ended up finishing my first degree and then going international with that and doing it full time. And like the industry itself, people are aware that it's very much a glamorous industry externally, but it's actually glamour in the sense of illusion. It's often for, for those who want more, you know, like myself, it was lacking substance. And I, I did struggle with this. I often found myself wanting something else. And the biggest crossroads came to me when I was in my mid-20s and I was modeling internationally and supposedly living the dream. I had a partner who loved me, but who was back home in Australia I was making a living doing what I loved, but I was away from all my loved ones and I was very isolated. I was working extremely hard. And while I wasn't interested in the sex, drugs and rock and roll, that wasn't my demise by any means. I was more a fly on the wall amid all of that drama and chaos and 
clowning around, I suppose, my my body was still suffering because it was probably physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, and spiritually deprived. I wasn't nourishing myself in the ways that I needed to. And I found when I eventually got an ultimatum from my partner to come home or what's going on, instead of choosing to go to another country, which my heart really wanted to, I somehow found myself coming back to Australia. And within a couple of days, I was hospitalized in the emergency section and had a cyst on my ovary that ruptured, but the toxins that went through my system actually caused my heart to flatline uh, four times. Wow. And it was in that moment that I became a case study at the hospital actually because my heart started again on its own each time. My cardiologist later said I was disgustingly healthy and that's probably because of all the exercise I was doing and, and was eating right and, you know, taking care of certain things but not others. And I found in hindsight how fascinating it was to actually analyze myself, you know, with, with a bit of time to get this perspective. But what I did realize that, you know, it was my heart and it was my sacred space, that womb space, the sex center, you know, those were the two parts that were screaming out for attention from me. And it was then, you know, back home after intensive care that I had to put myself back together again because everything I believed I was, which was, you know, someone who's in the modeling world and, and a girlfriend and a journalist and all these things were all stripped away from me. I couldn't use my degree to get a real job, as it was called, in journalism or public relations. My partner left me and there was no way I was getting up anytime soon to be on the catwalk for Fashion Week. So I wasn't any of these things that I thought I was. As often we realize along the path, we aren't what we do or we have. We're none of that. And that was a very hard realization for a 22-year-old to process. Oh, so 22, that is really young. <laughs> it was. But, I mean, I'm sure it happens to little different ages. And, and we know often we get more than one shake-up, but this is probably the biggest. And it was that time then that I spoke to my auntie who lived in England at the time, and, and she said to me, you know, why don't you take all these epic emails you were sending everyone on all your travels overseas, modeling, and turn it into a fab book? as she coined it. And I thought, wow, like, you know, I say to be a journo, I don't know how to do creative writing, but all those fears and questions pushed aside. It was the only thing that kind of kept me going at that time when I couldn't do anything else. I could barely walk and shave my own legs and wash my own hair. So I just started writing and, and this book now that I'm seeking a publisher for 11 years on, mind you, was my savior. It was my crossroads. It was me actually realizing that writing, that sharing wisdom, that sharing truth, love, beauty, in words and conveying that to be of service was really what my calling was. I could still be on a catwalk and I still model now being 33, but it's very different. Mm. And and it was from that time then and then getting well again and still writing the book that I took myself back and I did my master's in communications and cultural politics and women's studies. I eventually moved to Paris and was still writing and got an editor for my book and was painting and decided to kill more parts of myself off literally so I could have more of a rebirth and coming home to Australia kind of about three and a half years after that. I then was starting to explore and, and study and become certified in coaching and tantra and get my Reiki masters and all the other kind of pieces of paper and experiences and practices I, I gained along the way to then create Stella Muse, which is now my baby, my business, which amalgamates all of those into kind of like, I guess, a melting pot of sacred guidance through soul and spirituality and, and not avoiding the body, still definitely merging in the sexuality side of things as well. And that's where I am now. And I'm so grateful, as we always are, from the challenge and the hardship and the heartbreak and the heart stopping and whatever it is. But it was definitely um, 
an experience of not fitting into the modeling industry. It's why I never call myself a model, to be honest, Aisha. I, I said I did modeling, but I never fit into that. And I still don't now, but there's a part of the beauty that still, I guess, lures me the desire to create beauty in the world that I think many women want to do, whether it's arranging flowers or baking a cake or anything like that. So I've had to weave beauty into my life in a different capacity now with more truth and more substance that nourishes the soul, if that all kind of makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's true. I think that um, really the the feminine pr- principle or the feminine energy has a lot to do with beauty. And that's what we're doing as we're rising up collectively, that we are bringing back, restoring balance and and reawakening uh, our eyes to beauty, not just women, but to open the eyes of men as well to beauty and what that is. And I'd love that you, you know, you're sharing about what helped you get through your sort of dark night of the soul was creativity because I'm a real proponent of helping women tap into that place. And you came to it naturally. You went into the dark night of the soul and you found that writing was the thing that got you through, creative writing, sharing yourself, being in service. And I just loved hearing that. And I want to just ask you, when you had that dark night of the soul time in your life, as we all do at some point. And you said it was your your heart and your womb. And I want to talk about like, what did that, what does that mean that, it, you know, your womb, how did that speak to you? Or how did you get in touch with that part or that energy? Mm, that wasn't an overnight process, that's mm. for sure. <laughs> I I didn't realize it at first, you know, when you're actually in so much physical pain and discomfort and your world is breaking apart, which a dark night of the soul, you know, can be in different guises. I I wasn't connecting the dot. I had to just take one layer at a time. And that first layer, which I think many women struggle with at some point, slowing down, mm. slowing down enough to listen to the body physically and then listen emotionally and then listen spiritually. So while I knew physically that that womb space was, you know, wounded, I didn't understand how deep it went. It was through then studying Tantra and then studying different healing arts and getting to understand, you know, the physical body, the astral body, even the etheric webbing of the body, let alone how the soul connects and and how, you know, essentially we're longing to connect with that truth and the essence. There was a lot of learning and then a lot of unlearning of old things as well that took me so far that no longer served so it was a really long process. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm in my 30s now and, and there's constant learning. There's constant peeling back. There's still, you know, certain parts of emotions that have been suppressed from childhood. And I come from a history of sexual abuse from, from the, about the age of six or so. So there's all that in there. So I think as women, we carry nuances of history within us. And I find sometimes as a feminine, it, it is in that creative space. It is in that sexual space. It can be in that womb space, whether you believe that's physical or energetic. And we have to explore that. We have to let that pain come up and release it, you know, not to be crazy Carly mode and screaming, shouting all the time, but to let that pain, to let those tears come up and know that that's okay. The challenge in this day and age is giving ourselves space to do that having even the awareness to know what's going on and and not to think we're losing our mind and going crazy, but it's a spiritual crisis, not a psychological crisis. Mm. And then also perhaps being able to either have a beloved who can support you or a dear friend who can support you that has that capacity to hold space, as we call it, you know, to be fiercely present as you go through that or to be able to, you know, reach out to a guide or someone who can professionally guide you along that path. 
and all those elements I feel like I had to learn as well in in that whole understanding of what was going on with just that creative space, the sexual center, you know, for me as a woman. Mm. And I've definitely seen this play out and I do see this play out time and time again in the women that come to me. Even if they come to me when they're in a relationship or if they're just broken up or if they're wanting to become pregnant or they're healing through a trauma, it doesn't matter. We seem to carry a collective consciousness, you know, as women connected to the feminine and what's happened through history. And I see this almost like a pendulum, you know, that's, it's swung so far, let's say, you know, generations ago and, and to the beginning of time when the goddess was suppressed, when all the beautiful statues of gods and goddess existed and then all of a sudden the goddess actually started disappearing, you know, and, <laughs> and women were literally then eventually raped and pillaged and, and the witch hunts and, you know, everything we can think of through history, it's, it's around the world. You know, there's been that trauma that women have had to process and carry with them and then we've swung so far to the other side almost like we felt like we had to be men or be masculine to be seen and heard and and taken serious and and succeed I say in inverted commas to now I find this this hunger that women have to come back to what some people call the wild woman the truth the essence the actual unique beauty I like to see it of what woman is that means we don't need to be masculine neither should we be denied or suppressed but actually we need to be supported and support each other supported by men as well and supported by each other as women to be who we're meant to be and to radiate that. And that's a big driving force behind the work that I do specifically one-on-one with women and, and in groups is to assist them in peeling back all those layers, whether it is in the womb space or the heart space, like the lower three vehicles we refer to it as being, you know, the physical body, the emotional body, and then the mental body, everything we need to clear along those to allow us to be a, a more clear channel to be able to actually bring through what we're meant to bring through into this world, whatever that gift is, whatever you as a unique, you know, individual soul and a beautiful woman having a human experience, whatever you are here to bring into the world, because we all have something unique and special and sacred. And I see too many women walking the streets and, you know, the paths of this planet, not shining that because it's been suppressed in them or it's been so hidden away because of fear, because of trauma, because of neglect, because of abuse, because of abandonment, whatever it is. And we have the capacity, if perhaps we just have that guidance or know that there's a helping hand or a guiding light out there, we do have that capacity within us to clear that, to be who we're meant to be here. And mm. I feel my life, you know, personally and professionally has led me to this point and, and this is what I love sharing most of all because I feel with this great untapped resource, Aisha, and women can change the world. Absolutely. Uh, with men by the side, right? We've definitely. Yes. Love men. <laughs> and I feel your passion so much, Elise. It's beautiful to hear that passion coming through. And I really do believe that when we take that step to healing ourselves, we're not just healing ourselves. We're healing our ancestors from way back from the first point of conception of all the the, the repression that we've gone through. I think that it is important for women today to realize that if they step up and, you know, are willing to bring their gifts through and to heal themselves, and they're not just healing themselves, they're healing collectively. It's really much larger than that. And I want to just go back to a few really, really important things that you brought up for the listeners. And one of them was you know, to get that support when you start, like you say, yes, I want to be on this journey. I want to start. Like it is really important to have support. I think that women 
naturally have always been in circle sisterhoods and I think finding support and you can find it with men as well but it's really important to have someone that you can feel utterly safe with and and have that sacred space to to grow and heal now the other thing you talked about that I want to touch on too is that you know you said we don't have the space and it's really important for us to slow down and listen. And I wanted to ask you, what are some of the what are some of the things that you do or that you can share with the listeners to help them like to slow down, like to begin to slow down and listen to their heart, listen to their womb space and to tune yeah. in? That's a beautiful question. The reality is everyone is, you know, different. We've all got, you know, different lives and things that go on. But in truth, we all think we're very busy. Busy isn't a great word for the record, you know. Mm. We sometimes think it comes with like a, a shining star that we get to pin on our jacket. Busy isn't great. We actually need to peel back a little bit of that and and look at our lives and see perhaps within your schedule where you can carve out non-negotiable time for yourself. Now, this applies for women with children or demanding professions or whatever it is. Sometimes I've had clients who are so busy, as they term it, with such full schedules that we've had to create time when they're in the shower (laughs) to make them actually slow down and connect with their body as they wash it, as they touch their skin, just to have that connection where, oh my gosh, you know, I'm here, feel that water falling over them, washing over them, letting go of their day or ready to start their day if they're having something like a shower in the morning. We can find time wherever, even if it's having a cup of tea. It's about presence. Like I mentioned that even you need, you know, we say in Tantra that your beloved needs to be present for you when you're talking to them, but you need to be present for yourself. So if you're someone who can, you know, go out and have lunch, perhaps even on your own sometimes or make a cup of tea for yourself, whatever it is, don't multitask. Instead of going through your Instagram on your phone or checking your email or whatever it is you're doing at the same time, actually separate. We're not brilliant at multitasking. We think we are, but we can't actively give you know a majority of our attention to two things at once. We actually can't. So if you could just focus on that beautiful cup of tea that's in your hands right now and the warmth and drinking it in and letting it nourish you and letting it soften your belly and soothe your organs after you've just had a big meal or whatever it is that can be a game changer. And it's when we start adding on this to eventually, as I like to encourage clients to create a daily practice. So beyond just the little moments that we're creating for ourselves, if it's one or two a day, we start to create longer pieces or longer phases, longer periods of, of time. It could be that you get up a little bit earlier in the morning. It could be that when the children go to bed at night or when you've kind of switched all your social media and emails off for the evening and dishes are done, you've got a bit of time for you then. Whatever it is, you have to actively create and carve out this time and then you have to honor it just like you honor rocking up to the meeting on time just like you honor getting back to that friend that called you on time you have to honor yourself as well because as women if we're not filling up the cup or filling up the watering can we can't keep watering the roses eventually we will become empty we have to stop be still, let ourselves fill up in whatever way nourishes us most that we can then continue to be of service. Most women get to burnout phase before they realize how detrimental what they've been doing is to themselves. And then they're fighting a cold or crazy erratic emotions or complete withdrawal or snapping, whatever it is. And they're like, this isn't who I want to be, but they can't help like this Kalimo that comes over them. They're not giving themselves the opportunity to be in harmony, to be balanced. So just like you charge your phone at night, just like you put petrol in the car, just like you, you know, wash the clothing, whatever it is, 
they're all things that need to be done. Looking after you needs to be done. Mm. So it's non-negotiable. It's so beautifully said. And I love how you brought up being present. And, you know, it's so true, isn't it, Elise? We don't have to get sick. We don't have to be burnt out to to get to that point of realizing that we need to replenish our cup or fill the watering can, as you said. And I love the simple little things that you brought up. And I especially love you saying no multitasking. I mean, we used to wear that as a badge as well. Oh, yeah. you know, women can multitask like it's this great thing. Well, it's not so great. It really is not so great. No. And, <laughs> and I love the, the little simple rituals. And I think if we think of them as little rituals and make it a ritual, for yourself, even that simple cup of tea, or like you said, feeling your skin when you're showering. Oh, I love that. I love how simple it can be to create a little bit of space for ourselves. For sure. And I just love the fact that you said ritual, because, you know, coming from a tantric background, that's all about ritual. You know, I went and bought fresh flowers for my practice today to fill the space with that, you know, for clients. And just the act of filling the spaces, my healing room, I practice the front, even putting some in my home with fresh flowers, even though I was doing it of service, it was nourishing my soul. And it was an expression of creativity, it was an expression of beauty, and it felt really good. And it was something so simple. So it doesn't have to be like you have to, you know, go get a massage or carve out a whole afternoon if you don't feel you have that time. It can be a really simple ritual or task that you do sporadically sometimes and others that you do regularly. That's what's really important because at the end of the day, we need those regular little kind of nourishing moments to keep us feeling fulfilled and filled up. Yeah. And I think it's really important what you brought up before too, is like, you know, looking at your schedule and, you know, looking at those places where, you know, you have, you have to be a little scrutinizing about where you put your time. And I did this personally recently, and I realized that out of a habit that just became an unconscious habit, I'd wake up in the morning and grab my phone and start looking at you know, social media. and I'm, Oh, you did it. I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm admitting this to everyone because it's so easy to slip over into that. And mm. when I scrutinized it and I said, oh, wait a minute, what am I doing? And I made it like for myself, I said, that's it. Every morning, I don't look at anything, no emails, no anything until I do all my beautiful morning rituals that make me feel filled up, make me feel beauty, get in touch with gratitude, all of that first. That is the priority. I love that, Aisha. And I'm I'm a real stickler for that as well. Like non-negotiable. I might be awake for at least an hour, you know, up doing my practice and preparing myself for the day before I, I even turn my phone off flight mode. And that's a big one, especially in this day that we live in, especially if you're an entrepreneur or creative or just someone who likes the comfort of seeing those those little messages and everything come through, whether it's text or email or social media bings. We don't need that. We've got so attached to it. That's kind of part of the glamour of the modeling industry that I mentioned. This is the glamour of the world we live in. It's an illusion Another like or another 20 followers isn't who you are. It's not who I am. It might, you know, bring you this little moment of pleasure or joy. It's very fleeting. It doesn't sustain because it's not real. But you sitting down and, and doing some beautiful belly breathing or, you know, a meditation or mindfulness practice or perhaps getting on the yoga mat or go walk with the dog in nature, prepare a warm lemon water, you know, have a sacred brekkie just for you or with your family, that 
that is real. That is connecting to something that it's real, whether it's mother nature, a beloved, your family, but first and foremost, yourself mm. in a really simple way. You know, that's how we need to start the day. Because if we start the day in the vortex, in the machine, in social media world, you're already disconnected. Yes, so, which totally. is peculiar, isn't it? Because, you know, <laughs> social media connects us more than ever, but we've never been more disconnected than ever. That's that's the kind of whole hypocrisy of it, really. Yeah, and so, I think the essence is, the essence of what everybody wants is connection. I mean, we deeply yeah. long for that connection, but we're looking sometimes outside of ourselves for that connection. And what I hear that your beautiful work is doing is helping people reconnect to their inner world, who they are, really finding out, really enjoying the simple things in life, being present. Don't keep going to the, you know, outside, you know, social media, whatever it is you use to feel that comfort and connection. Most definitely. And and this is all just the beginning. You know, the deeper I get to work with clients, the more we actually get to go to that essence, that soul, that je ne sais quoi, I like to call it, that you, you can't put your finger on it. It is so utterly unique to you, but you're never going to get there unless you do all that work of kind of stripping away, of letting go of things in the physical world that don't work, of emotions that have held you back, of mind frames and mindsets and the chatter and everything going on in the mind. Like I mentioned, those three vehicles, there's so much there to get rid of, to clear what you really are. So it's a it's a very deep and very beautiful long journey. It's really, as far as I'm concerned, a lifestyle if you want to commit to it and do the big work. But yeah, otherwise you can start super simple and just look at your social media habits. That's a great way to start. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. And it's, it's enlightening. Now, I want to talk a little bit, you mentioned Tantra, your Tantra practice a few times. And so just in case the listeners don't really know what that is, can you give it a little brief description? What is Tantra? Yeah, of course. There's a bit of misconception, you know, in the Western world that it's just sex. And mm. that's probably because most people think of, oh, yeah, I know Tantra, it's the Kama Sutra. It's like 101 sexual positions, right? Well, no, the Kama Sutra is something different. Tantra, unfortunately, in the Western world has kind of been misconstrued and has been over-glamorized once again and very heavily focused on the body, very heavily focused on pleasure from how to have multiple orgasms to how to have threesomes to how to bring juicy sex to the bedroom. Now, they're very personal choice. If you want to go down that path, go for your life. It's not what I focus on because that isn't the heart of Tantra. Tantra as the word, Tantra, means, you know, to weave, to expand, to connect and to really achieve oneness, unity. And this does mean merging the body, merging the heart, merging the mind. So like we've touched on a bit today, I kind of mentioned these three lower vehicles, the body being the physical, the heart being the emotions or the astral body. If you're in the healing world, you might have heard of that. And then the mind on the mental plane. And if you're in a relationship, we learn to merge these together with your beloved for a deeper intimate connection. So you grow and evolve as people having a human experience, functioning every day in the day-to-day -day life, but actually as souls. So that, you know, your personalities don't clash, so that your emotions aren't erratic and clashing, so that your minds aren't clashing. We want harmony and unity so that you grow together to work together, to serve together. And that may mean your service could just be facilitating a new soul coming to this planet. That means being parents together, consciously helping to raise a new beautiful soul who's going to come here and do great things. Or maybe it's together you create a business, whatever it is. But also Tantra is for people as individuals. You don't have to be in a relationship. You can choose not to or you can choose to be in one later. Whatever your circumstances, it's irrelevant. Tantra is a path of knowing thyself better 
And while it weaves in different connections, you know, like spiritual ritual, there is no specific dogma. There's no, you know, belief in a God as such or anything like that. It's it's similar to Buddhism. It's not a religion per se. It's a way of life. It's a life philosophy and then a life practice. So it's how you show up every single day. Like I touched on, it's, it's being conscious. It's being aware. It's being loving and compassionate and non-judgmental, which is also similar to some of the other yogic philosophies because Tantra also is a yoga. Yeah, and I love Tantra because it is a pragmatic practice. It is a way of life. It's not about, you know, being spiritual and and leaving your body and your body's not important and all of that. It's actually a very embodied practice as I understand it. Definitely. We can't forget the body because otherwise we'd just be living in the astral world and be all just a spirit. And we can't deny that either. But the beauty of Tantra is that it weaves together everything. Mm. We look at this as Shakti and Shiva, which is the goddess and the god, like feminine and masculine, day and night, summer and winter. We live in a duality on this earth. Everything comes in kind of two forms and we can't deny, you know, the challenges, but neither can we deny the beauty So it's about understanding that everything is a part of life, that we are a part of this oneness, that we have to embody all parts of that, not deny parts of that, but neither dwell in parts of that. Ideally, we want to stand in the middle, kind of like you hear with shamans, that they can balance the two worlds, the spiritual world and then the actual physical, tangible world. We need to do that as well on a tantric path, on a Buddhist path, on a yogic path, on just a path if we want to move towards enlightenment or consciousness or growth as as the souls we are while having this human experience. Mm. I find a lot of times that, you know, we're always being guided, we're always being supported to come back home to ourselves. It's almost like, you know, before we came into the human body, we made the soul contract that, yes, we were going to come in and do this. And of course, we forget because that's part of coming into the human body, we forget. And the whole beautiful and magical journey of life is is remembering and coming back home. Yeah. And I mean, some some faiths and some beliefs say that the more advanced we are, the more we dedicate ourselves to the path. Selves to the path. When we come back, we can remember faster. We can kind of always pick up where we left off, and that's where we want to go. So when you live that conscious life, when you show up and do the work every day for yourself and serve from this place of loving kindness and compassion, non judgment, and and you know merge together our studies with our meditation, whatever it is for you, the deeper you are in that, the more you live that, the more likely you are to come back in that next lifetime. If is what you believe anyway and be able to pick up where you left off and and go even further along that journey and essentially i just see this as us coming together to raise consciousness and the more humanity can wake up to this the more we can come together the more we can unify as one fabric as one soul as literally oneness which at the moment humanity is very far from that but i'd like to think we're going to get there sometime Yeah. And it really is about like not worrying what's happening. We have to just do our part and trust that there is a very divine or, you know, plan that is supporting all of us and moving back to that realization of who we truly are, not the body and not this. And and while we're in the body, it's a wonderful vehicle. You know, I I always say this in my yoga practice and when I teach students as well is that, you know, love your body because really the body is always in the present moment. So if you ever want to come to the present moment and, you know, not be in the past and future thinking about things, just come into your body, just feel your body and you'll be present. 
that's a beautiful reminder. Mm. Definitely. And and so simple. It's, so it's such simple. a simple, yeah, just an awareness. And that's what I think it is. We're often not aware. And we can use our senses for that. And absolutely, we can use our body. It's an incredible vehicle. It has so much potential. And we often fill it with bad food, bad vibes, and not so great thoughts. And we don't really do it justice. If we actually used it to its maximum capacity, we'd blow our own minds in a really good way, I think. So as you said, to love it, to respect it, and to have an honor and a reverence for what your body does on a daily basis, just the functions of it to keep us going nonstop is phenomenal. But also the capacity that it has to do even more than perhaps we can even contemplate and and imagine right now. I think that's also quite fascinating as well. Mm. Now, Elise, I want to ask you about the name that you chose, Stella Muse, M-U-S-E. Yeah. How did that come to you? Like, how did you choose that to be, you know, your, it's on your website. It's what your website is called, actually, Stella Muse. Well, it was interesting. I suppose I've, I sat with it for a very long time. It was part of my master's. As I mentioned, when I was doing that, I had to create, you know, a final research piece, a final dissertation and, and create something. And it initially was going to be a magazine, but I had a very altruistic belief that I could run something without having to have advertising that conflicted the values and morals of the articles I wanted to write, you know, real articles about where your fashion came from and the truth about beauty products and all these kind of things. Yeah, fashion-y at first, but there were many facets to it from literature and books to nourishment and movement and exploring different spiritual paths. So when I first created her, the website's had a few different facelifts over the years, but when I first created her, she was like an online magazine. And the meaning of the name when I was searching, I wanted something that was going to inspire women, inspire women to take action and know that even if they are in darkness, there is a light somewhere. Ideally, that light is within them. But if they can't see that, that there is someone or something with a light there guiding the way. So Stella Muse literally means shining inspiration, being that guiding light in the darkness wherever you are along your path to know that you aren't alone. Now, fundamentally, I like to believe this is because we have a connection to soul and our soul group, but sometimes it's because there is someone there shining a light, whether that's me offering that sacred guidance or perhaps a beloved or a friend or knowing within yourself if you have that capacity to find the light within you in those dark times. So that was the essence. That was the, I guess, the beauty and the perfume of Stella Muse. So glad I asked you that. That's such a beautiful description. I had no idea. I love it. Shining inspiration. And just that encouragement that you have given the listeners to just know that there's always a light. If you can't see inside yourself, like find a really dear friend and they'll shine it back to you because it's there. Definitely. I mean, and Stella, as we know, means star. So, I mean, literal translation is that it's it's the star of inspiration. And I see that as the light that is within us. But it could be that someone else, you know, is able to reflect that or mirror that back to you. So it is beautiful when we think of ourselves as, as being our own lights of inspiration, our own stars of inspiration, or that we have others out there who can be that for us in times of need. And as we said earlier in the show, it does require to to really tap into that light that's within us. It does require us to slow down a little bit and to listen, to really listen in. Definitely, definitely. Mm. If nowhere else and, and nothing else is taken from this today, that's the beautiful place to start from to keep it really simple and really approachable. 
is to know that creating time and space for you can be one of the greatest gifts you give yourself. However, you use that, whether it's because you're a dedicated yogi and you're going to be meditating at 5 a.m. or because you just need to slow down and have a cup of tea with a little bit of peace and silence away from the craziness of your life. Wherever you are on the spectrum, it's a very beautiful little gift from you to you. Mm. Now, you're writing a book and I think you've written one already as well. Can you share that with the listeners? Sure. So when I share my story, that book that I started writing now 11 years on, it's called Runway and and I am seeking the right publisher for it at the moment. I'm just doing a few little quick edits at the end. Runway talks about the unglamorous side of the modeling industry because it's based on a 20-something-year-old's journey. And interestingly enough, the heroine Celine is very similar to my 22-year-old self as well. But still, it's all very much been fictionalized. And in its essence, it's actually a young woman's journey to strip away what doesn't serve to understand that you can't always live in the world of illusions and glamours because they don't nourish your soul. And on this journey, she understands that there's people there who can offer her wisdom and guidance, but fundamentally she has to find that truth and love and wisdom and beauty within herself, which I'd like to think she does, but I guess she'll have to read it to find out. So that's that's my first book. That's on its way. And um, My second that I'm writing talks about the Yoni heart-mind connection and essentially it's a very practical guide for women going through a 28-chapter cycle, just like a standard, as they say, you know, women's cycle, although of course we know not everyone's 28 days. But I picked 28 chapters for the reason of, of taking us through the cycles of a woman, just like the cycles of the moon. We have to understand we are very different at different times, different phases of this cycle that we experience on a regular basis. And I take women through all the different phases that often affect us that we may be aware of and some things that we aren't aware of and how to apply certain tools, certain techniques and just some wisdom teachings along the way to navigate this and and understand that as we kind of touched on, I think, before we even recorded this, we talked about the going within. You know, the hero's journey is very external. He goes out, slays the dragons, conquers and comes back with, you know, the goal to share with the land. A heroine's journey, a goddess's journey is within herself. And it's a very deep, deep journey. And and this is something that all women will go through at some time of their life, whether they want to go into it fully or they just touch the surface because they reject it. That's a very personal choice. But knowing that that going within journey and, and confronting your truth, confronting the dark goddess mother, confronting the ego and the personality, that's part of it as well. So all that is going to be weaved into this book so that we can ideally navigate that inner journey as women and not, not let go, not ignore the body like we mentioned. So hence the yoni being the, the Sanskrit word for the sexual, sexual center, including the womb not affecting, you know, the emotions only, but also the mind. So therefore we do heart and mind. So it's kind of like the whole circuitry when it's functioning and flowing and in harmony, we are functioning and flowing and in harmony. And that's how I think all women should be. And ideally it's, it's part of my wish for all women to be in that state. How gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now we're out of time, but I do want to share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Would going to your website be the best way? Yes, absolutely. Stellamuse.com and that's Stella with an A and there's a free ebook up there. There's a 
a free three-part video series called The Diwali Empowered Woman, which delves into this Yoni heart-mind circuitry that we've just been speaking about. And there's other juicy videos and articles out there. And if something speaks to you or you're curious or you feel I can assist you along your way, whether that's through the sacred guidance, which is like psychology for the soul, or tantra or any healing modalities, you're welcome to email me at elise at stellamuse.com and I will do my best to serve you and guide you on your way. Uh, thank you so much. And I'll put that um, your website link on the show notes so it's easy for people to find. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Aisha. It's been an absolute pleasure to share with you today and all the beautiful souls listening, part of the brilliant Misfits podcast. Thanks, Aisha. Thank you so much. So much gratitude for you coming on. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.